Cameron, this is for you. I put in a lot of papers and I'm wrestling them. And I also <laughs> hope that you can edit out the noise of my stomach growling if that showed up over the noise of the refrigerator. <laughs> So much in life is scripted, but this is unedited. Listen in as we have casual conversations about art and faith. Welcome to Unedited. I am Farley Sanderford. And I'm Jennifer Chetlett. Before we keep going, I want to put a little disclaimer in. We're recording in <laughs> downtown Richmond. There's some construction going on outside. Um, so... That, that's what you're hearing. In this episode, we are doing another rendition of our book club. We are still looking at uh, Refractions by Fujimura. And today, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, chapter about the works of Fra Angelico. And we have a special guest. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Cassandra. <laughs> I'm Cassandra. Um, I work for... World Horizons, and I did an internship with the organization a while back, then joined the U.S. staff as the communications director, and currently I'm in the role of training director. You direct all the things. All the things. All the things. Some of the things. <laughs> no, and, I, and I've said this to you and say it publicly, you are one of the most talented women I know. Wow. So, nice. you, you really are, Cassandra. You really are. So we're, we're excited to have you here. Yes. Talk about yourself as an artist, too. Yeah, so my background as far as undergrad is in visual art. I was in a program called Communication Arts, and that was like a mix of illustration and graphic design because they weren't the graphic design department, but they didn't just do illustration. So now most of the art I do day to day is graphic design work. But if I'm working in a physical medium, I prefer to do illustration, watercolor and collage, like ink. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you write? I do write. Yeah. I have a blog. Um, and I write lots of stuff that I don't publish either, <laughs> but um, I try to consciously think about theology and other stuff that's going on in my life at a little bit of a deeper level mm -hmm. than like my Facebook and Twitter accounts when I'm writing you know, my <laughs> well, Your Twitter is very funny. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my one outlet where I don't have too many like family members and professional Same. people following <laughs> me, so. You can let your hair down. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, in this chapter, as I mentioned, it's about, uh, Fra Angelico, right, which is an artist, um, he was an artist in Italy, uh, kind of just on the cusp of, of the Renaissance. He was around the same time as, uh, i butcher his name, Masaccio? I don't know. Yes, Masaccio. Okay. Yeah. That's not in the chapter. No, this that's, is just that's your general art history knowledge. Yes. Yes. Also, also the Met has a fabulous website that I'm definitely looking at right now. Um, so the exhibition that Fujimar is talking about is um, an exhibition of uh, Fra Angelico's work, um, as well as some other people that were either working with him or working at the same time. Um, and it was at the Met in two th end of 2005 to beginning of 2006. 
Um, so this is the exhibition that he's talking about in this chapter that he visits three times, which I think is super cool. Great. So uh, the first... Well, let's talk about the chapter a little bit because okay. he... I always his, skip that part. I know you I do. always just want to like jump just in and jump be in like, and assume everyone <laughs> has read it. But um, so this essay is called Fra Angelico and the 500-Year Question. And he basically um, kind of poses the notion that uh, well, one, he really likes um, this exhibit and mm -hmm. the work of Fra Angelico. He has to go a whole bunch of times to take it in. Yeah. But um, Fra Angelico's contemporaries um, were, let's see, what was made at the same time? Um, Leonardo painted the Mona Lisa. Michelangelo created David. Um, what else happened? The Martin Luther posted his 95 theses. Uh, and, oh, and like Columbus was still sailing around trying to find another route to Asia. So like huge huge things in history were happening. And so this chapter kind of talks about like what's happening that will be around 500 years from now. Like all of those things are, you know, are still, um, kind of benchmarks in, in art history and in human history. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, what are we doing now that will be around 500 years from now? Cause like, I really hope it's not like Naked and Afraid, or, yeah. you know, selfie culture. the selfie culture, or like all of those dumb things that are on TV, yeah. you know? So the first thing that I was struck by in this chapter is when Fujimura is talking about, he, you know, like you mentioned, he goes to this exhibition several, several times, um, and he has this kind of um, intense experience with these works, and... Are, can you guys think of anything as far as like works of art or even gallery experiences or even more broadly than that, where you have been impacted in a similar way that Fujimara was impacted by these, these Fra Angelico paintings? I think that, I mean, anytime you stand in front of great art that you've only seen in a textbook, you have mm -hmm. this moment of, wow, this is real and it survived so much. Yeah. But for me... When I've gotten to travel and see cathedrals mm -hmm. that are really old and like just covered in art on the inside, mm -hmm. it's a moment like that where you have to stop and sort of stare at nothing. Like he says he had to find a blank wall to stare at for a minute. Mm -hmm. But when you're mm -hmm. surrounded by this cavernous space that held like hundreds of years of history mm -hmm. and like so many people from so many different times have visited and also had a transcendent experience there. You have to stop and take a moment and pause because outside of that history, there's also like little visual like treasures in every part of the architecture. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make yourself look around and think like, okay, this isn't just a cool big space. There's cool details mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. No, I think definitely traveling. Um, I was trying to, because immediately I thought of things not in this country. I was trying to think mm -hmm. of things both. In this country, I would say um, when I was in New Mexico, um, seeing some of the Pueblo mm -hmm. Native Americans and like the Acoma Indians who, who still live, a lot of them still live up there. And um, just the, the, I don't know, the ingenuity to figure out how to live in different places, but seeing their, um, their Pueblos and then their art and all of that, I think that would be one place here in this country. I think overseas for me, um, seeing Pompeii was really moving. Um, seeing this whole city that was 
to me seemed, you know, really modern for its time with, with their, um, just all of the infrastructure and everything and, and getting a little glimpse into that society. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was, you know, and both times I didn't have time to go back and go back, but I really would have liked to just kind of sit and uh, take it in and, you know, have time to, to be there. But how about you? Mm -hmm. Um, so one I've already written about in the blog post. I was waiting. You're going to talk about Rothko, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. I was waiting. Um, that wasn't the first thing that came to mind, but uh -huh. it was one. Um, and I really don't have any kind of like rational explanation for it. I, and I've seen Rothko like a million times, uh -huh. but for some reason, like that painting just like really moved me. Um, and it's, I mean, it's red shades of red, orange, and yellow, like blocks on a canvas. And so just, yeah, it's very, it was a very simple in terms of the composition, mm. but it was just, again, I can't really explain it. But the other one, Cassandra, you took mine. Um, <laughs> um, I went to, when I was in uh, college and undergrad, I went to uh, France and went to um, Chartres Cathedral, mm -hmm. which is like one of the one of the mm -hmm. quintessential. And it's Gothic laid cathedral. out like I've been there. It's laid out like a cross, yeah. like a lot of cathedrals. Are. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was really cool. Um, but the coolest part was in in that cross section, in that middle bit where the two pieces come together mm -hmm. on the floor. There's this labyrinth that you kind of can kind of walk through. It's this like ambulatory kind of space that you mm -hmm. can like meditate and pray. And I went with a bunch of. Strangely, like, my college was mostly female, but on this particular trip, for whatever reason, there was a lot of dudes. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, all the guys were, like, just not interested, really, as much in this particular space. Um, but me, I was, like, off on my lonesome, just mm -hmm. walking around in there. And, of course, looking at, like, the rose windows and, like, all the little, like, paint, the smaller paintings and all the little, um, I don't know. Portable. I can't remember what it's called. Not the apps, but like the little small chapels that are mm -hmm. carved out along the mm -hmm. sides. And um, there's just, like you said, there's so much detail and I kind of get overwhelmed, but it was mm -hmm. really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm going to go back to your question that you mentioned that he sort of poses kind of at the beginning of the chapter. Um, when we think about like the 500 year question, right? So, what, what, um, in our current time, I know it's probably hard, it's hard for me to think about this, but when we, when people look back at our current time that we're living in now, what do you think will be remembered for? Hopefully not selfie culture. Um, but, oh, I think we'll be remembered for that. And hopefully that's not all that there is. No, but like but other, like things like, um, styles of art that they'll look back on or, philosophy, cultural identities, like what, what kinds of things do you think they might look at? Are you thinking primarily artistically? It doesn't have to be. Well, I was going to say in relation to selfie culture, like it is easy to mock it, but I was thinking about it. And I think at this time in history, the individual person, mm -hmm. no matter what background you are, has more dignity and respect and freedom mm -hmm. than at most other times in history. And I know I'm coming from an American perspective where we're totally like on the individualistic side of that spectrum versus yeah. collectivist cultures. But even in more collectivist cultures, like the idea of 
justice and individual rights mm-hmm. is more prevalent, I think, partially because we have access to information from everywhere all of the time through social media. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how that shapes up in the future, because even with selfies, like every person has a voice now and there's not been another time in history where every person has had their own individual platform like that. Hmm. I'm trying to look up... um because of their names escaped me. But I think um, one of the things that is new, I'd say, in the last 50 years is, um, like, big, and this is just art, this is not more, like, sociology, but um, big outdoor installation pieces. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like art has gone outside more than it has in the past. What are their names? We just talked about them a couple of chapters ago. The Virtual River of Gold, a couple. Um, Oh, uh, oh, no. Okay, Google it. Uh, Jean-Claude and Christo. Christo. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you see that, um, that kind of started, uh, how long ago did they start? They started at least 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But then like I follow this thing, um, called the red ball project. Did I show that to you? There's this, there's this giant, it's a giant red ball. Yeah, that they, I've heard about they it. They deflate. One escaped recently. And inflate it in different places. I don't know, but that's awesome. <laughs> oh, no. So they just like deflate it and they'll put it like in an unexpected place and inflate it and they'll leave it in a city for a while. Yeah. But I think that is something that I hope is remembered um, about this time in history is that art is becoming hopefully like more accessible. Mm-hmm. If you look back through time, not everyone... You know, like I doubt in education, everyone learned how to, you know, do blind contour drawings. I don't know. Maybe they did, but (laughs) I just don't. So I I think art hopefully is a little more accessible than it was. And I hope we're remembered for that from this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I don't, even though I I know it's sort of downplaying the the selfie culture, but like when I think back on like Fra Angelico's time and the the up the upcoming sort of renaissance that's starting to happen, that like that's that's when this really this idea of the individual mm-hmm. and um, the sort of significance and importance of man had really took hold in at in the, at least in Western culture. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Western culture here, but um, so I mean this idea of the self and the individual is not anything new, I, but I do think, like you said, I think it's certainly sort of exploded in our current time. Um, mm-hmm. and it certainly has had positive impacts, um, in terms of and negative. Um, yeah. Said positive and negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a sense of, um, I feel like a lot of, um, ideas around identity are really mm-hmm. important in this time. And, and that wouldn't, these questions wouldn't have come up had we not, if, if the culture had not been more focused on the individual. Yeah. But the pendulum seems to swing. I it think does. like, I think you could, I'm sure people have studied it. So when you swing from individualism to collectivism, like individualism can almost, and I see this now, some, it can become paralyzing. Mm-hmm. People are so focused on themselves that they can't, you know, to use the term, get outside of themselves. Like they, you know, um, whereas when you look at times in history or different cultures, when it was more of a collectivist society, um, I guess there are gains and losses in both types of societies. Uh, I didn't note what page number, uh, but he asserts shortly after that 
um, when he talks about the the 500 year question, he asserts that quote contemporary art does not encourage such thoughts end quote about basically about the weight um, of our decisions mm-hmm. um, and that we understand. Uh, the impact of our current choices, that sort of ripple effect he talks about, mm. um, and that contemporary art doesn't encourage those those kinds of, uh, of thinking, um, that kind of thinking. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think about that? Do you think it's Are there examples that you can think of that of contemporary art that might actually encourage that kind of thinking, or do you think he's right that there's no that the way that the postmodern art culture is secular or not encourages that thought. I think it depends on the subject matter that the art is addressing because, I mean, there's some art that deliberately harkens back to older traditions of art, and I think that's its own way of taking a longer term approach to Mm -hmm. your subject matter tying in the past Mm -hmm. but I think about art around like conservation and climate change and I've seen some of that like some visualizations of how climate is changing in like a gallery worthy artistic expression or like exhibitions exploring how much stuff we have and like (laughs) collecting that and looking at it um so some art I think takes a longer term approach but I understand what he's saying with a lot of art just being there in the moment he talks about different galleries or like really young artists just searching for right. their 15 minutes of fame and then so you're looking at all these really young trendy artists and mm-hmm. the older more mature artists get lost in that crowd mm-hmm. so do you think because i was thinking of like gorilla art i was thinking you know yeah. a couple episodes ago we talked a lot about That's that brain, so yeah like okay. with about the heroin spoon the artist who made this like giant eight foot heroin spoon mm-hmm. and put it outside of uh, the makers of oxycontin um, so I think about that and my first thought is, well, that's going to be remembered, but then like, should it be, is that, is that an artistic expression or is it like a, um, social reaction, ex- you know, manifested in art? Are they different? Are they the same? I don't know. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, throughout this, this chapter and with this particularly I don't necessarily agree I understand what he's trying to say Mm -hmm. um, especially in terms of um, like these artists are coming like right out of art school and sort of just exploding Mm -hmm. um, but without having a whole lot of a whole lot of depth maybe um, and just because of their their lack of experience um, Life, well, life, life experience, yes. basically. Um, but I think, I think making a blanket statement like this is kind of problematic. Um, I get that. Just mm-hmm. sort of group all contemporary art together and say mm, this isn't really challenging. Well, I wonder what how we're how we're thinking about 
what would he say about his own work? Because I was thinking of his own work in, yeah. in like terms of, of the things he said. Right. Like, where does his own work fit in that? Yeah. And does he think he's making things that will be around 500 years from now? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if maybe he's specifically talking about um, a more a more secular art world, which it mostly, mostly is. is. I say 95% yeah. probably is. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I'm less inclined. I want. I don't know. Maybe it's not because I'm also always thinking about art, and I also am hopeful. I like I want there to be. Like I want to have hope that like mm-hmm. there's there's some really talented folks making making things that mm-hmm. are making us think and think about the future and not just be in the moment. But there's certainly value to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So when we think about the there that the, there is kind of this divide, especially in um, contempor- more contemporary or more modern art. Sorry, <laughs> when we think about the, the the that divide between the the, the secular and the uh, religious, I don't even know if those are the right ways to divide this. But when we think about those two um, kinds of art or kinds of artists. Um, he talks about, um, the church, right. And how, especially during, again, during the time of Angelico, the church, big C, um, the Catholic church was the main, uh, patron, um, for a lot of art that was being created, um, a lot, especially in Italy. Um, so, and that has certainly changed, um, within our modern culture. And so since that change has happened, what, what role do you think the church has, if any, mm-hmm. or could they have in sort of, um, in the process of artists being trained or raised up or even, um, commissioned, uh, for making art or is it even reasonable to place that? expectation or responsibility on the church or what do you guys think about the role of the church? I thought it was really interesting that he talks about how Christians have abdicated our responsibility to steward culture. Those are his words. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, I'm glad that the church is not the same kind of institution that the Catholic church was Mm -hmm. because I think even now we're seeing a lot of negative aspects to when the church gets that sort of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the church has a responsibility to think about how it can impact culture and promote beautiful things that speak about the good and the good in us um, that have the capacity to impact our world. Um, I don't, I would shy away from any manifestation of that, that encourages Christians to be separate from the world though. I think we've taken the whole not of this world thing a little too far. Mm -hmm. So if it was something like, well, if Christians need to impact culture and art, then we should have our own art school. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. that's a good solution. I think you should put really good Christian artists in regular art schools Mm -hmm. and have them 
interact with art students and show them how their faith is impacting their work. That's what I would lean towards. So I think we see this in gallery edit, like we've, you guys feature artists who are really good at what they do. So I think the church's role is encouraging artists to be really good at what they do and not settle for just saying, oh, that's good enough because you did it for Jesus. Like, okay, that's great that you did it for Jesus. But if it's bad art, don't show it and tell them that they need to get better, like (laughs) in a constructive way. And that's, I think, how you impact culture. So thinking about it on a little bit more um, broader sense of it, and that that quote, that line that you um, quoted about uh, abdicating the role of steward in culture, that one stood out to me as well. And it made me think of a podcast I heard recently that I actually had to listen to three times because it was so like Fujimara with Ron deep. Angelica. Well, that so take some time and like okay, because it's a, a Russian philosopher. So oh dear. right, the, um, <laughs> the the Makers of Mystics podcast, which we've talked about before, Stephen Roach is doing this thing like looking at different, I guess, artists and I don't know, but there's this Russian philosopher Nikolai Bardiev. Have you heard of him? And I'm I'm probably not saying his name correctly. Um, but his thoughts are really deep, and I tried to capture some of them because it, um, we'll put a link to that uh, podcast. It's only like 11 minutes long um, in the show notes, so you can listen to it if you want because it's really good. But he kind of poses the idea that the church is um, the church is not giving the full story. That like the church focuses church small c focuses on redemption and the restoration. Um, the, the whole idea of sin that, you know, the, the redemption of sin and, the, and fallen, um, fallen mankind. Um, but they miss the other part of it. He thinks it's a two part thing. He thinks that God is a creator and that, that, that is the, where restoration happens. So, um, he says, um, that Bertie have thought that the church focused primarily on the sinfulness of man and being saved from the mar of fallen humanity, but doesn't go beyond it to new creation. And he asks, is life's final purpose only salvation from sin? Um, and he kind of says that redemption is like a negative thing. It's focused on our sinfulness. Um, but the final aim of um, being saved should should lie far beyond redemption into an eternal creative purpose. So he sees it like that we want to be restored creatively. Mm-hmm. That so it was just interesting to me. It was deep and like new. That's why I'd listen to it. And I'm not sure, I'm sure I'm not saying it well, but um, I would encourage you to listen to it because it, it was sort of a new thought for me that like if if we don't take the second step of trying to be restored creatively, um, that we're kind of missing the, the full uh, redemption of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys? Yeah. It's, it's kind of deep. Yeah. It reminds me of um, your show and your work, actually, mm-hmm. how you're talking, how you talked a lot about you're, you're going from one thing to mm-hmm. another. And so that's not just the removal of something negative, but mm-hmm. it's also moving in a direction of, positivity, creativity, Mm -hmm. all the, um, towards the good. Right. Right. So it's not just moving away from the bad, but towards the good as well. And so I think that's, I wonder if there's some. Probably. It makes you want to read. Well, I don't know. I kind of want to read more Bardiev, but like the 11 minute podcast of someone talking about Bardiev was a lot for me to take in. So I imagine reading his actual writings. Yeah. That's how uh, I feel about Martin Heidegger and Emmanuel Kant, like those philosophers that I had to read about in art school. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
I mean, there's and great I read stuff a chapter in there. And I was like, I have no idea what I just read. I can't <laughs> read it again. But good yeah. stuff in there. That's, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with the point that you brought up, Jennifer. And I think it relates to something that was in the last, like, second to last paragraph of the chapter that we read for mm-hmm. this. Um, Fujimara says, while God does have the power to destroy all that is wicked and sinful, he often chooses to sanctify as in gold rather than burn away as in dross, transforming our works. And so I think salvation is not complete in its fullness unless something beautiful is done out of that. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I think the gospel stops short if we're just saying you're saved from sin, like, then what next? Because we still keep living, so Mm -hmm. we should still keep living out better things out of that. And if you're an artist or a community of artists, then that should reflect that and get better. But I think creativity goes beyond. I think a lot of people um, who are not artists will say that doesn't apply to me because I'm not an artist. But I think creativity... Um, is much broader than visual arts. I mean, I think I think everyone is creative. You know, yes. I so I I I I, um, I don't know. I have a hard time when people say that. They kind of it's like this doesn't apply to me. Yeah, when people I'm are dismissive. You know, but, right? When people but, are dismissive <laughs> of the importance and the significance of creativity, it really makes me upset. And because I I also firmly believe that we all, because we are created in the image of God and God is a creator, Mm -hmm. then we also have that within us. And Mm -hmm. in order to live a wholehearted, fulfilling life, that, that creative element, that creative part of our lives has to be, it has to be there Mm -hmm. or it, and again, it will manifest itself differently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, I am not a visual artist. I would never describe myself in that way. However, I do believe in the importance of, of finding whatever that is for you, whether it is visual art or it's writing or whatever. And even if it's personal and not ever shown. Right. You have to, yeah. It's, 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 it's more than just taking in. I think I, and that is what concerns me about where we are right now technologically is that we are consumers. Yes. We consume information. We consume, um, sometimes relationships we consume, but we are not creating. We are mm-hmm. not, you know, I think as a, as a culture, at least in our country, not putting things out there like we did a hundred years ago, you know, I mean, even if it was a garden that we, that we made, you know, like we're just consuming, we are not creating. Mm -hmm. So I fear that will be what we're remembered for 500 years from now. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not, but hopefully not. Yeah. I think in some ways we're all kind of creating something, whether we like it or not in the form of the output of our lives Mm -hmm. and our relationships. Mm -hmm. But I do think that like, intentional creativity is good like it makes life better and every person has the capacity Mm -hmm. to do that and that doesn't mean like everyone starts a side business where they do calligraphy on Instagram like (laughs) it doesn't have to be that that's a good thing for some people but yeah everyone has that capacity Mm -hmm. in them and it doesn't always have to be like visual or poetic or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
one, and again, sorry, I didn't write the page numbers for my references, but um, I think maybe a little bit before what you were talking about, Cassandra, he says that the only audience that counts is God. And again, I might be taking things out of context, and I like to play devil's advocate with some of his words. Um, but um, what do you what do you think about that statement that the only audience that counts is God in terms of creativity and creative expression? Um, and does that mean? Do you think that means that we should always be making art with that in our minds? And but what about art for just art's sake, right? Just for the act of creative expression, right? Is that, is that then not as valuable, not as good as art that's made for Jesus? Like, what do you guys think about that? I have a lot of thoughts on that, actually. I think um, that, no, I do think there's value in, in all art because it is, to me, art is a form of communication. And I think... Um, the language you speak is going to come out of who you are as a person. So mm-hmm. I think as an artist who um, is a believer, my art is going to express that, mm-hmm. I think, intentionally or unintentionally. Who I am is going to come out in what I make. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it any more or less valuable than the person who is not in the same place that I am as far as faith goes. Yeah. Um, but I think, and we've talked about this before, um, Madeline Lingle thinks that, she thinks that all good art is um, Christian art because all good things come from Christ. So whether or not the artist is a believer, and I don't know that I fully agree with that, but I keep hearing that in my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure where I land on that one. Yeah. Um, but I know, yeah, I mean, and we've, we've talked about this at length as an art team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Cassandra? Um, I understand the sentiment that he's trying to communicate. So mm-hmm. same with all of your other work, like do all of your work mm-hmm. as an act of worship to right. God. Like yeah. that is significant. But as an artist, it's impossible to ignore your audience like your human audience, I think that would be neglectful actually, because if your audience can't understand or connect with the art you make and you are, if you're creating for an audience, not just for yourself, then you should think about your audience. And then the people seeing it do matter. So I I, think I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know. What is your issue? Like, I feel like you felt like those were inflammatory words. Like, did you, what was your issue with them? I was just, I I just felt conflicted about the idea of, like, I certainly believe that um, in in any facet of work, like you talked about working, um, working diligently and working uh, hard and doing all things as an outflow of worship or gratitude or appreciation for for God and 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 doing them not not for the praise of man right. um, and I, I, maybe that's what he's he's trying to say um, but also I do think there is value in um, expressing and creating things that um, just out of a love for 
the art itself, a love for the practice, a love for um, how it makes you feel, you know, any of those things I feel like are, are completely valid reasons to make things. You don't, I, I don't feel like everything that you make has to be, and I'm going to swear it and I'm sorry, intentionally made as, you know, this is, a, you know, a spiritual act of worship. No, but I would say making things, regardless, just the act of, just making. The act of making things, yeah. I think for a lot of, a lot of believing artists is a spiritual act of worship. You know, I mean, as one who's in craft, making a lot of functional things, and I've mm -hmm. talked about this before, sitting down at my wheel, throwing like utilitarian mm -hmm. items is often more worshipful for me than going to church. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, and a lot of that is, is just about my mind and, and my presence with God. Um, so I think, I don't know, I, I see your issue. I see your issue, but I feel like... Um, the argument could be made that um, your, I don't know how to say it, like, um, I don't know, I'm not going to, I'm not expressing it well, but yeah. And I, I don't, I don't stir the pot because I maybe think that Fujimara is, you know, necessarily wrong or that he's thinking the way I'm posing the questions. I just, yeah. part of it is I just want to stir the pot a little and yeah. see, see what you guys think. Well, and that question comes up a lot, at yeah. least around our office about, yeah. you know, art for art's sake and, and Christian artists and what is our purpose and, mm -hmm. um, you know, so we, yeah, you know, I get why you would feel that way. Yeah. And I think you also have to think about your definition of art as worship, because if art can only be worshipful, if it's focused on God as the subject matter or some aspect of God inspiration. It, yeah, or... yeah. Then that is very limiting. But if we're thinking about the goodness of God is shown in creation, then by extension, if you're making something that celebrates creation or a good, glorious aspect of creation cannot be worship. And I think it can be. Mm -hmm. I would say so. Um okay. So Cassandra, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, if you would like to reach out to us, you can send us an email at podcast at reachthenations.org. We'd love to hear from you. Um, any questions, comments, show ideas, send them our way. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review and a rating. It will help other people find us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Unedited. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Hillside Missions and Gallery Edit in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at podcast at reachthenations.org.